You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. It is a delight. I just want to make a small digression. Uh, obviously, there's a whole lot of, a whole bunch of people who are from the church we pastored for a whole lot of years in Tucson, and they are now a part of the body life. Some of them in significant areas of leadership. Some of them just been sent here. But just Isaac and Vanessa are one of those couples, and I just want to congratulate you. Baby's coming. Baby's coming. And and I just aren't you excited about that? And and you you love me, huh? Excuse me? Okay. A little bit more intense would be nice. And I just, you, you trust me and, and the prophetic gift is in my life? Okay, I'm going to bring you up here if you don't get your act together. Well, I, I, I know, I, I feel it's a boy. I feel Vanessa told me that just a minute ago. <laughs> but I feel the Lord's given me a name. I feel it's Zane. Now, if you want a blessing on that child, you obey the prophet's voice right now. If you name that boy Zane, I'll come kick you in the fanny, man. We don't need another one of those around, but uh, I just want to say that because I'm so proud of them and so, so thankful for them as well. It's good to be back. We love this house. Um, just, I needed, I needed a mercy culture fix. Um, I hope that doesn't sound disrespectful, but I just needed to be in this atmosphere. We, we have, in particular, my wife has been through a very, has been through and in, in the process of coming through a very, very difficult time physically. She was in the hospital for 12 days, and uh, many of you were praying. I know leadership was praying, SLS, I love them people, and, uh, and, and we feel the Lord has brought the breakthrough Sometimes when a breakthrough comes, there's still residue of what's there. How many know what I'm talking about? I, I'm going to teach you for a moment. Don't get discouraged that breakthrough hasn't come, come because you've seen, you still see some of the stuff. That's the devil hanging on. How many understand what I'm trying to say? I'm not trying to be simplistic here, but you got to be careful that you don't let the hanging on convince you it hasn't happened yet. He knows he's got to let go. He's just hoping you figure out that you don't figure that out. And so we feel the breakthroughs happen, and, and it's, been a, it's been a tough journey. And, and I, I, just, I just want, I know she's watching, she watches me every time I preach because I am the greatest preacher in the world. But I just want to say, babe, I prayed for you this morning. I believe this atmosphere has been translated to a house in Tucson, Arizona. You are healed and breakthrough has happened. Somebody say amen. Amen. And uh, so grateful. Keep praying as we continue that process. Um, uh, just, just know the Lord is at work. I, I, almost, I, I almost, in fact, Pastor Landon, knowing what we were navigating, uh, we, I was scheduled, we were scheduled to be here the first of the week at SLS and, and then with pastors and we, 
there's no way I needed to leave. She just got out of the hospital. And so Pastor Landon called and out of a graciousness to us said, hey, you, you need me to cover for you. I know you're scheduled this Sunday. And I, I, I first obviously consulted with the Lord and my wife. They're kind of close. <laughs> Anybody married to one of them say amen. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. And, and I, I, I just felt such a strong word in me. And I said, babe, what do you think? She goes, I feel like you're supposed to go. And uh, I'll just fly, fly in. I'll be at Dallas tonight and then fly home. And the kids are with her. And she, she's, in fact, she texted me this morning, great night of sleep. I feel really strong this morning. Uh, so, so that made me feel a little bit more comfortable. But I felt, like, I felt like I was to be here. And I told Pastor Landon, I said, well, thank you for that. I know you could cover. But I feel like the Lord's given me a word for the house. And so if you don't mind me flying in and flying out, he goes, fly in and fly out. And by the time we're done, we're going to fly away here in this house. Because I have such a sense of, of the timing of this word. Timing is everything in the kingdom. You understand that. And, and, and I feel the timing of the word the Lord has put on me and the, and the specific directive that, that we are to embrace corporately as a congregation and maybe in the process of the teaching that something will begin lodged in your heart that you'll see a, a kingdom key. Say kingdom key. Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. It was in the plural. There's not just one key. There's a plethora of keys that when you begin to walk with the Lord and begin to discern them, he'll tell you what to apply at certain times. Certain keys open certain things. Am I making sense to anybody? And when you learn how to discern that and learn what key works where, and, and I feel like I, I want to share a kingdom key with you that became very instrumental and very significant in my life. Some of you already know it. I'm sure some of you may participate in it and not recognize what you're doing, and you're going to get revelation with that. But I felt the timing of the message was critical, and I felt such a sense of the implications, the significance of the implications of what we are about to do and what is, what is going to happen when we understand what we're doing. Anybody with me? That, that you can do something and not understand it and it not create the result that God wants it to create because you're not understanding what you're doing. Help me. You get it? And that's why revelation is so life-empowering. Life because when you know what to do and you understand why you're to do what you're to do and you understand what will happen and you do it in two ways, in obedient faith. Sometimes it takes faith to apply a kingdom principle because it doesn't make sense. I think I'll say amen all by myself. Sometimes when God shows you something to do and your natural mind goes, ah, whoa, what is that about? And it's okay to question it because it, it doesn't fit with your natural mind. But we are, we are not just naturally minded, we are spiritually minded. And we learn to think spiritually even sometimes before we think naturally. And so, and so when God unveiled this truth to me in a very dramatic way, it was, it was life-changing for me. And I don't employ this key every moment of the day in fact, I believe sometimes you can, you can try to employ something that doesn't fit for that moment. Remember a moment ago I said certain keys fit certain things. My house key doesn't fit my car key. 
And if I try to make it fit, I'll damage the key and the car. Okay, so you gotta, you got to discern, is this for that? And is that for this? Am I making sense? Am I, am I helping anybody? I'm, I'm trying to set it up because, because we're going to talk about something that, that I don't think for the vast majority in this room is going to be, be weird necessarily because I've been here enough times to know you're already weird. <laughs> and if you're a visitor and you stay, you'll become weird. It's just weirdness. And I mean good weirdness, not bad weirdness. There's two kinds of weirdness, amen? And there's a good weirdness, and that's called the Holy Spirit, and that's called people who will take steps of faith and do the unusual and maybe even do somewhat crazy and, 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 and just out of the boat. And then there's weird that just, oh, get out of here. You're weird. <laughs> Somebody say amen to that one. And, and, and so when I felt the Lord drop this in my heart and feel I was to go with this particular message and concept, I, I felt such a sense that, that, that something as a result of what we're about to do with understanding and faith, that something powerful is going to happen. Now, I need to hasten to say something powerful always happens in this house. Amen? But I'm going to be bold to say this morning, power is going to another level. That is power on spiritual steroids. Now say this to the person next to you. I know we say that kind of joke. I mean this sincerely. Tell the person next to you, you are part of that next level power. In fact, I'm going to say it this way. You have to do something to get to that next level of power. Are you learning God just doesn't do everything for us? Are you learning he's doing things with us? This is a partnership, Paul said in Corinthians. We are co-laborers. Some things never happen until we do it with him. And while we're waiting on him, he's waiting on us. So what we're about to do may seem a little out of the box for some of you, not most of you, but you still need to do it. And when you do it, and I don't understand why God chooses to do things the way he does things. Anybody figure that out? I mean, why'd you, why'd you choose that? Why'd you, I mean, why did Jesus spit in the guy's eye? <laughs> huh? Could have Jesus said, be healed? I mean, if you got blindness and he's making mud, I vote for it, just speak it. I mean, all kinds of things because of this. And, and Isaiah prophesied it. He says in Isaiah 55, about verse 5, or verse 9, somewhere, you'll find it. He says this, my ways are not your ways. Yes. My thoughts are not your thoughts. That's not being derogatory. He's not being unkind. He's just trying to say, I'm going to say some things you ain't going to understand, and you're going to have to accept by faith. I'm going to say some things you aren't going to figure out, and you're just going to have to believe. I'm going to say some things for you to do that your mind's going to say, that's weird, but you're going to go in your spirit. No, no, I don't know why. I think God's saying this. How many been there, done that? Got a few of the t-shirts, yeah. It's the only way to fly. It's the only way to live in the kingdom. So I want to share a kingdom key, and, and the kingdom key revolves around a particular word that interestingly is found all through the scriptures. Old and New Testament 
in my study, it's at least a, close to almost 200 times this particular word is mentioned in different ways, in different settings, different ideas, different concepts. The way we're going to use it this morning is very significant and very powerful. But the word is grace. Say grace. grace. I love grace. I love the word grace. We had one daughter. If we would have had a second daughter, we would have named her Grace because I just love I just love that word. I love that name. It's, 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 it's foundational to all we believe. Let me tell you, you ain't saved outside of grace. You ain't healed outside of grace. Everything you get is a message, is a, is a marvel of God's grace. I don't want to burst your bubble. You don't deserve nothing, nada, zero, nothing at all, except by his amazing grace. Paul said, you're not even saved except by grace, not of works. You can try your best to fix your life up. Ain't going to get fixed till you accept his grace. Grace. And, and that word really is a heart of what's about to happen. In the, and, and I've discovered the idea of grace, and in particular, the word grace is a key that is a kingdom key when understood and employed becomes powerful. In fact, I'll say it again, I feel the Lord has given a very specific directive to us this morning, and I hope you learn it as you take it to your, your daily private encounters. Oftentimes what we learn in here of Kingdom Keys, God wants us to practice out there by ourselves. How many understand what I'm saying about and become more proficient and become more effective in navigating. Here we practice and here we do things and you feel kind of comfortable because, okay, I don't, I, if I mess up, nobody's going to know. But out there, he wants us to learn how to move in those kind of kingdom keys. Am I making sense? So, so the directive the Lord gives me, has given me for this morning, really is in relationship to that word grace and, and what we're going to do with it. And it's interesting. The directive I felt is found in an Old Testament text. In fact, an obscure text to some of you maybe. It's the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 4. I'll give you about 15, 20 minutes to find it. <laughs> Zechariah is not one of those sections of the, of, the, of the Bible, notwithstanding the Old Testament, that we spend a lot of time in devotionally. And one of the reasons I think Zechariah gets a, somewhat of a bad name is because we put him, we theologians, Bible teachers, put him in a section of the Old Testament we refer to as the minor prophets. If you're a little bit of Bible study stuff, you don't know what that means. But, but I want to emphasize, don't let the word minor fool you. They say minor prophets in relationship to the major prophets, major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. But, but it, the word minor is only used in the context of, of the brevity of the prophetic narrative, not the significance of the prophetic narrative. In fact, I've discovered that some of the, some of the most profound revelations I've ever had are found in those minor guys versus those major guys. I say all that to say this, don't let that word fool you because there's something very, very significant that the Holy Spirit, out of, out of the life of, 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 of the man we'll mention in a moment, out of his life and experience, it's not just a story. Listen, folks, the Bible is not just stories. It is pictures of the way God wants to work timelessly in our lives. 
And if you read for stories, it's historical, it's wonderful, it can inspire you. But if you lean in, listen to me, if you lean in for revelation and insights, how does that apply to my life? You'll discover some keys. You'll discover some concepts. And when you understand them, I love Pastor Isaac's word, when you understand them and activate them, watch out little Susie. Some of you old know what I'm talking about, okay. So, so here we go. It's a very clear directive. In the, it's found in Zechariah chapter four. You there, you turn there? I think it'll be on the screen in a moment, but, but, but can I just digress? It's the last service. Pastor Landon said, go all day, man. No, no, seriously, he didn't say that. But he does that. But anyways, I wanted to share with you, but, but don't, don't get used to this. Sometimes you need it in your hand. Sometimes you need to look at it. Okay, I just want to encourage that. I just, yeah, thank you, Lord. I think there's a wisdom and just, okay, it's there. No, no, learn to, okay, that was a digression. Okay, it didn't cost you anything, so you're happy. Zechariah chapter four, verse six. This is the translation I'm, I'm reading from. It may be a bit different in yours, but it's pretty much the same. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Neither Zane or Zerubbabel. If you name them either one, I'll hurt you. I'm sure it was a good name in those days. Don't, don't, please don't be offended. But if you're with child, don't you dare think about naming him Zerubbabel. You will cause him great pain the rest of his life. Okay? That's like Zane. I, I, I grew up with Zane. That's a nice name. No, it's not. Zane has no brain. Zane is lame. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 in, I'm in therapy over my name. There's a group in Tucson called the Zane Group, and we just commiserate with one another. I used to live, now I like the name. So look at this. This is, say this is, now you gotta understand the context. This is what Zerubbabel needed. If you know a little history, if you know a little background, he needed this moment. And I just wanna digress and say God is always on time. Heaven knows he's never early. But heaven knows he's never late either. So when he comes, that's the time you need it. So don't get weary that he's not there yet. And don't get weary, you think he's late. He's never late. He comes right on time. And this is a, this is a kairos. This is a turning point. This is a moment in Zerubbabel's life that will change him forever. He says, this is the word of the Lord to you, Zerubbabel. It is not by your might and it is not by your power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Just say amen to that. He's not saying we don't do anything in this, in this process called walking with God. But in the final analysis, it ain't gonna get done with your human ingenuity and your smarts and your intellect. Oh, God may use all of that, but the bottom line is by my spirit, says the Lord. That's why I love this church. I mean that, I'm not saying just get you to like me because you already like me. It was a little weak. 
Listen, listen. You don't make room for the Holy Spirit. You give him the room. He's free to move and minister any way at any time. It says, it says in verse 7, For what are you, O great mountain? I like this translation. For who are you, O great mountain? But the implication is there's something standing in your way, Zerubbabel. There's an opposition. There's resistance. There's something that's trying to keep you from doing what you are called to do. And that doesn't just speak to an Old Testament text called Zechariah. I want to apply it to more than a handful of you here. That what you are facing is not coincidental or happenstance or just life. I don't blame everything on the devil, but there's a whole lot of devil at work in this world today. I get a flat tire, I don't blame it on the devil. All the time. The point I'm trying to make is I'm not preoccupied with the adversary, but I need to be aware there is an adversary. And though what looks like is in the way is human in its dimension, governmental forces, political forces, adversarial circumstances, adversaries, people that were trying to stop what, what, what they were rebuilding. It looked like that's all natural, but I want to submit to you, behind all of that is a demonic assignment. They're, they're attempting to rebuild the temple. And at this point in Zechariah's narrative, they stopped. They've returned. 70,000 plus have returned from exile, from, 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 from Babylonia. They're back now. They're, they're emancipated. They're free. They're coming back to their homeland. Only when they get there, the city is in ruins. And more significantly, the temple, their place of worship is, is destroyed. They have no place to worship. They have no place to gather corporately as a, as a, as a people. And so they're excited to be out of Babylon, but they're discouraged to walk in to the place that they once, once worshiped. But the rebuilding begins. They begin to set their heart to rebuild their place of worship. They, they begin to set their heart to put God back in the first place. They, they, as Jesus said, they decide to seek first the kingdom, knowing all those other things will take care of themselves. Somebody say amen to that. I could preach on that for five minutes to don't have time. The point I want to make is that at this point in Zechariah's narrative, he is confronting with Zerubbabel what Zerubbabel is facing. And it looks like it's human in its, in its expression, but the implication it's not is demonic. Because at this point, the temple rebuild has stopped. They're not rebuilding anymore. They started Strong. They started with enthusiasm. There was excitement. I, I've been in a number of years of ministry. I've had the privilege of being a part of, 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 of four to five significant church builds. From building new sanctuaries to remodeling a sanctuary to re relocating an entire campus and building a whole new campus. I, I, I know the excitement of those times. I know, I know the times we would have what we called work days and we'd all show up, men and women, and we'd, we'd do all kinds of stuff just building. There's, there, there's challenges, but I know all of that emotion and that that excitement, but I also know a little bit of what, 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 what Zerubbabel is feeling. Right now, everything stopped. They're at a standstill. Why? There is a mountain in their way. 
Not a literal physical mountain, but again, adversaries and, and at, 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 at adversarial circumstances. There is a government and a political system has told them you can't build anymore. There are surrounding neighbors, neighbors, who said you can't do this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God's saying. Yeah, that's right. And so the, the prophet shows up at the right time and he says, he says, Zerubbabel, it's, it's not gonna happen by your might, your power, your ingenuity. Now, again, I want to hasten to say, you're a part of it, but it isn't gonna be the way you think it's gonna happen. God's got a surprise. God's got a strategy. It's gonna blow your little mind. I, I've discovered at times God's strategy is unusual, but I've always discovered it's effective. And when God gives a strategy, I can see how that's going to work. I mean, I, I don't need that. I need this. But if you'll trust God, that you've heard from God and obey the directive God has given you, even when your mind, are you following me? Even when your mind doesn't fully comprehend it, or we've never done it like that before, famous last words. And so he comes and he says to him, he's encouraging him, he's affirming him. He's saying, he's saying, Zerubbabel, who are you, O great mountain? Some theologians believe this prophetic word came to Zerubbabel on the building site as he's looking at this mound of debris and weeds and all kinds of building not being done, half done. And, and it's been probably, some theologians believe, maybe 10, 12, 15 years it's been at a standstill. People have given up. In fact, truly, honestly, the people have stopped building God's house out of discouragement because of the pressures and the adversaries coming against them. And they decide, okay, we'll get to that later. We'll just get our houses built. And that's where the prophet Haggai comes in and says, hey, 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 you're missing it. It's kingdom first. Somebody say amen. And, and that's another side side teaching. But the point I'm making is he comes to him and he says this, this, this circumstance that's in front of you, he uses the analogy of a mountain. He says, who are you? What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain. And Zerubbabel will bring forth the top stone that, that symbolizes the last piece of the building. The building is not built. It's, it's in ruins. It's not even close to being finished. But he says to him, you, Zerubbabel, will bring forth the top stone or the capstone. That was the last piece of the building put in place. It didn't have any significant uh, uh, part in it, like it held up the build, building. But it was like symbolic. Put that in place. We're done. How many see the picture? You will bring. In other words, you're going to bring this to a completion. You'll be, you'll be the one. How are you going to do that? With shouts of grace. Grace. Say grace, grace. Here's the key. Here's the strategy. Here's the plan. Here's the way this thing's going to work. Stay with me now. He says, you will bring forth the tapstone with shouts of grace. Grace. Verse 9. Your hands have laid the foundation. You started well. You started with excitement. The people started with momentum. And there's been a derailment. There's been a detour. There's been a standstill. You're discouraged. He said, but the hands that have begun, your hands shall finish. Let me just ask you. Do you think Zerubbabel needed that word? Do you think that encouraged his heart? Do you think, man, I can't believe I can't believe I needed this word. I, I was about ready to quit. I, uh, so many people around me are quitting and, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And, 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 and I, feel like, I feel like if I can just 
again, digress for a moment. I feel like that's where some of you are in this room. I don't have anybody in mind, but I feel like in my spirit as I was leaning into this narrative, I feel like there are people in this room and you're like, you're like Zechariah chapter four. The mountain is there. You feel like you heard from God. You, you got started. The vision, the idea, the dream, the desire, whatever it is, the promise, the prophecy. I love prophecy. Somebody say amen. I just don't like the process. I don't like the waiting. But I want to remind you of something. The devil hears prophecy too. He's not deaf. He's not. And it's not coincidental that this is happening to, to Zerubbabel and the people. The last thing the enemy wants is for them to reconnect with God. The last thing he wants is a temple where they gather to worship and they gather to be, be edified and ministered. You hear what I'm saying? I've, I've had the opportunity to minister to a lot of church plants. Young men, that, young women, wives that are starting a church and, and, and they'll call and say, Pastor, all hell's breaking loose. And man, it seems like we've started and not everything's and, and, and we've got a group of people and half of them have left and they're crying on the phone. I say, man, you're right on target. I'm not on target, I wanna die. Been there, done that, I understand what you're feeling. But what are you, oh great mountain? Did God speak to you? Did you hear the Lord? Do you know it's his will? Was it confirmed prophetically? Yes, 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 and yes. Then hold tight, Bubba. There's an adversary that wants to stop this because he knows what's about to happen up in here. Don't get all confused and think you miss God. That's what he wants you to do. Don't get all discouraged and think maybe it's just me and pizza. With anchovies, that'll get you a bad dream right away. I'm not just trying to be silly. Come on, let's wake up and realize the devil's not omniscient. Forgive me, but he isn't an airhead either. He knows God's up to something with her. God's up to something with him. I gotta derail this couple. I gotta mess up their marriage. I gotta mess up their business. I gotta mess them up because if they get a little bit further down this road, it's gonna be so strong and the roots are gonna be so strong, ain't nothing gonna knock them over. You better believe that's what the adversary's doing. We gotta stop the building of this temple. And some of you are there right now and I don't know what the mountain is. God sent me to tell you, what are you, oh great mountain? You shall become a plain. And what you've started, the Lord says, you will finish it. Now you got all excited. That's what we do in Pentecostal churches. Now don't be offended, I'm gonna go there. As Pastor Landon so beautifully says, can I pastor you for a moment? Tell the person next to you, uh-oh, it's gonna hurt. I love that about him. Can I pastor you for a moment? That's what we do. Y'all got excited. It shall be done, yeah! And, and don't be offended, I've done the same thing. Because what we do is we get a word and we don't wait for the directions about that word. We just get excited God's gonna do it. Well, first of all, he's not gonna do it. He's gonna do it with you, not without you. 
And if I can't just teach you a moment, as you've heard from this pulpit from your own leader, prophecy is not a guarantee. Just because he said it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Prophecy is an invitation to partner with the prophecy and hear what is my part in this prophetic word. Tell the person next to you, you got a part. And if you don't do your part, it's not going to happen. It's just not. It's just not. It doesn't mean, I'm not talking about heaven or hell. I'm not talking about you're going to miss out on eternity. I'm not talking about God doesn't love you. God's just saying, I go by kingdom principles. It's just how it works. Just this is the way it is. It's the way I, I built this thing. And the way it works is I will give you a promise. I will give you a prophecy. I will give you a vision. And then if you'll wait long enough, I'll show you the strategy to how it's to be fulfilled. Sometimes, sometimes the strategy is understandable, but many times it's not understandable in the natural. It's a step of faith. You know what I've come to understand? It's steps of faith lots of times. Am I helping anybody? And so what happens is we get all excited about the word and we fail to realize there's most often I've discovered in my couple of years of walking with Jesus, I think four now, my couple of years of walking with Jesus, I've come to discover that with every word there is a directive. I want the word, but I need the directive to be able to apply the word because the directive tells me what's my part to play. Did that make sense? Tell the person next to you, you have a part to play. And so, the prophet comes on the building site. Zechariah, Zerubbabel's there, and they know each other. Zerubbabel knows Zechariah. He, he recognizes the prophetic mantle. He's not one who moves in prophecy. He is a prophet, and there is a difference. You can move in prophecy without being a prophet. And the danger is, because you move prophetically, is you begin to think you're a prophet. You better be careful before you start calling yourself something you're not. Because then you better be on, otherwise you get stoned. How many know what I'm talking about? Some of you teach, uh, study the Old Testament. The point I'm making is simply this. There's Zerubbabel. He's on, this mount, he's on the building side. I'm convinced. I agree with the theologians. And here comes, here comes Zechariah. And he says, hey, Zerub. That, that they were friends, and they called each other Zach and Zerub. And he comes on, he comes on, you'll like that. He comes on the building site, he comes on the building site, says, hey, I got a word from the Lord. Oh, man, Zach, I need a word so bad, man. I, I'm, people are talking in the community. They're thinking I'm a bad leader. I started this project, and look where it is. It's a mess. I need, I need a word so bad. I got a word for you. Oh, give me a word. But but I need to also tell you, with the word, there's a directive of what you're supposed to do with the word. Huh? Yeah, okay, okay. What's the word? The word is, verse 9, this shall be built. You are going to build the temple. Yay! Okay, what else is there? You need to shout grace to it. Excuse me, Zachariah, what did you say? You heard me. See all this rubble? Shout grace to it. See this mountain of difficulty and circumstance? See this mountain of impossibility? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout grace to it. When you talk to a prophet, you talk very nice. 
You don't say what you're thinking. Like, that is ridiculous. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Shout grace to it. Zachariah, I need workers. I need money. I need some help up in here. What in the world? I, what good is that going to do? Grace, grace, grace. Come on, come on. Can we get real and human for a moment? You'd be thinking the same thing. You've told the Lord that already. Uh, what good is that going to do? You didn't tell him because you're smart enough to know not to tell him. What'd you say to me? So you thought it because he can't read your thoughts. Can he? Oh no, I'm in trouble now. Again, I want you to understand. He says, you gotta, you gotta shout grace to him. What good is that gonna do? Temple's gonna be built, but I gotta shout grace. I'm gonna say it again. I have discovered at times, and in my, I said a couple years, I've been doing this thing for almost 50 years. And in those years, I've discovered so very often, God's strategies are out of the box. And it takes faith with obedience. I have to believe I've heard, and then I need to obey based on my believing. How many understand what I just said? Because believing is not enough. One translation in James, the epistle says it this way, faith without corresponding action is dead. The devils believe. So don't think your faith is just the ultimate test. No, you gotta act on the faith. You gotta walk out the faith. You gotta respond to what you believe by doing what you're, am I making sense here? See, I'm trying to help you because some of you are gonna have a breakthrough this morning. You gotta shout grace to it. Now it's very important, say shout. Let's just take just a moment with that word shout. I'll be real quick with this. But in the Hebrew, there are a number of different words for, for, the, for the word shout, a number of different uses. There are three most common words. They are, and I'll, I'll mess them up. If you're a Hebrew scholar, don't email me. They're, they are ruah, ana, they sound the same. Ruah, ana, and this one's very important. Ta ruah. Well, that sounds like ruah. Yeah, but the ta is very critical to understand. Someone say, ta. And I just want you to say it. You look silly. In the Old Testament, the, the idea of the, of the word shout was used often in these contexts to sound the battle cry, to sound the shout of war. In other words, it was shouting to tell the enemy we're coming. Sometimes you need to tell the enemy, I'm coming. Come on, somebody say amen. See, I gotta, I gotta digress for a moment, but you gotta get away from this, God's gonna do it all. Sometimes God wants you to activate your faith, and sometimes you activate it with your mouth. I, I know there's been error, I know there's been abuses, I know there's been craziness with, with some, some theologies, say it, name it, claim it, all that stuff. I understand, and, we, and, and the problem with that is we go the other extreme. There is power in your tongue, life and death. There's a dynamic in your confession. When your confession agrees with his confession, and you speak it, not just think it. The shout is not a thought, the shout is an action. 
to sound the battle cry, to announce something loudly, to declare or to command. I love this translation. The shout is a shout that destroys. It's a shout that produces breakthrough. Now, you need to understand, it's not just your words necessarily. It's your obedience to a directive. And when you obey the directive, God, God joins in with your shouts. Oh, Father, let them see this. You're not shouting alone. Well, God doesn't need to shout. Well, tell the Bible. Psalms 29, verse 4, the Lord shouts. The Lord's shout is powerful. His shout crushes the enemy. Could, could God crush the enemy with a whisper? Well, yeah. But I'm just reading you the way he does it. I'm sure he does it. In fact, what was it? Elijah, he, was, he wasn't in the big things. He was in the small, still voice. So yeah, he whispers. He whispers. But more than you realize, he's a shouter too. Listen to this one, Job 37, 5. God shouts and wondrous things happen. I like this one, this is 1 Samuel chapter 1, excuse me, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 10. I'm sorry, the, 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 the creative team, I didn't get these scriptures till this morning, early, because I was just waiting on the Lord. Listen to this, listen to this. <laughs> Matt, Matt came and brought me, brought me this concept, and I said, Matt, look, I got that word this morning, just appreciated that. Pastor Matt, he says this in 1 Samuel 2, 10. The Lord shatters his enemies as he shouts against them from heaven. And I believe the principle of the kingdom is if the Lord calls you to shout, the moment you begin to obey that directive, even though in the natural it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound, it doesn't make sense. God says the moment you start shouting, I'm going to join your shout and the two of us are going to knock down the adversary right now. Now, this is important to understand, and I, I want to take a little bit of time with this. i got to hurry, but say shout. shout. It's important to understand, wrapped up in that word shout is a deep-seated confidence in what you are shouting about. You're not just making some noise. Hey! It's not what he's asking. He's asking you to understand that what you are shouting is critical to what's about to happen. Did you see it? That what you are shouting, the, 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 the what, and <laughs> Holy Spirit, help me. You're not just making noise. There is a purpose. There is an objective. There is a focus to the shout. There's something that is going to happen when you lift up a directed shout from the Lord. And the object of the shout is grace. You shall bring forth the tapstone, the cornerstone, or the, or, or the topstone with shouts of grace, grace. And it's said twice to emphasize it may not happen the first grace. You hear what I just said? Sometimes you got to say it again and again and again. Well, why? It's not powerful. It's powerful. But do you think the adversary is trying to withstand it? Huh? Come on, duh. He's not, oh, they said grace, let's run. No, no, let's fight against that. And he pushes. God told Daniel, 
God told Daniel by the, by the angel, Michael, he said, Daniel, the first moment you prayed, God sent the answer. The moment you prayed, God sent the answer. But there was a warfare in the heavenlies that was resisting the answer. And sometimes you have to go through a lengthy battle to break through. Come on, understand what I'm saying? So that's why the prophet says, that's why the prophet says, says to him, shout, grace, grace. The implication is, Zarub, you may have to say it a few times before there's a full breakthrough. You understand that? Say grace. grace. The best, not the best, the most common de definition for grace is God's unmerited favor. Are you hearing me okay? Okay, just a little bit of echo here. I don't know if it's me or it's certainly not the sound people because they are the best in the world. Because they could turn me off at any time. <laughs> Say unmerited favor. That just simply means you don't deserve it. And the most commonly used definition for grace, and sadly, that's kind of the only definition we really understand. It's just God's unmerited favor. But there's so much more to grace. In fact, there's another facet of grace. And when it is understood and it is activated with faith and obedience, it empowers our life. You see, grace is not only God's unmerited favor. Listen, grace is God's unlimited power. Grace is not just a forgiving term and a loving term and an amazing grace term. Grace is a powerful term that breaks and delivers and sets free. Somebody shout grace. Grace, grace is the operational power. And so when the prophet directs Zerubbabel to shout grace, he's unfolding a tremendous kingdom principle that when you obey the directive and you shout in faith the word grace, it literally activates power of God. I need to hasten to say, I need to hasten to say that it didn't mean when you shout grace, the Zerubbabel, the temple will come out of the sky. But what I am saying, Zerubbabel, when you shout grace under the Lord's directive, it will break what is, with, 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 what is restricting the advancement of the temple. How many see the picture? You still got to pound some nails. You still got to pour some cement. You still got to do some hands-on. Remember, your hands started, your hands will finish. But what is restricting you, I feel, a, I feel a holy violence in my spirit. The kingdom of God suffers violence. What has been restricting you will be taken out of the way. Then you can begin to do. Come on, somebody say amen. Uh, singers, come. I'm going to change. I, 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 got to, I got to get you out of here. See, this message is significant to me because I, I so relate, not in the same dimension of building a, a temple like in Jerusalem, but I so relate with Zechariah and more importantly, Zerubbabel. Probably almost 33 years ago, it's our first senior pastor. We'd never been senior pastors before, lead pastor. And, and we were in a little town called Oakhurst, California. It's interesting that this church is on Oakhurst, whatever. I just, it's just, stuff like that is, it's significant to me. You may say it's silly, but it's significant to me. 
that God has connected us with a place that we began as senior pastors, and we get to continue in a house like this. But it's a small town, about 5,000 people, one stop sign in the whole town. I'm a city boy. I don't know how in the world I got there. I'm from Phoenix Metroplex. I like asphalt. I like street lights. I like Taco Bell. Yo quiero Taco Bell. And, and, and it didn't have any of that. And, and it had a church of about 60 people, about about. About 85% of the 60 people were 85 years old. It looked like heaven's waiting room. Seriously, they were just all waiting to go to heaven. Isn't he so cute, Mildred? When he gets excited, he spits. Don't you love that? Yeah. I wish he'd quit talking about taking the city. He'd talk about the city built four square. That's heaven if you don't know. God began to pour in our heart and we began to grow and we were six miles outside of town in a little small building that seated about 200 people and God began to bless and we started going to multiple services and so we didn't build just to build, we sought the Lord. I didn't want to waste God's money or their money and I said, Lord, is it time to build or are we supposed to stay at this? And we heard the Lord say, and there were pr prophetic confirmations. Some, some of the names you might know that I had relationship with, and the word was arise and build. I'll provide the way you're going to build. And, and, and we moved from outside of town, right in the middle of town, bought 10 acres of land. We were going to build it ourselves, so most of, the, most of the building we were doing ourselves, bank wouldn't give us any money, so we're just building as we go. And we got to the point where we had the steel beams up and no roof, no siding, 53,000 square foot of building. We were the second biggest, we would have been the second biggest building in little small Oakhurst. And then we ran out of money. Right there, about 1980 something, there was that, like 2008, there was that economic downturn. People were losing their jobs and people were getting laid off in our congregation. We had grown to a good size, but people were just saying, Pastor, I. I got no money. I mean, I'm barely making it. And I understood all that. And, and I was getting discouraged. And we came to a standstill. Huge beams, no roof, no siding. Had the floor. We had the first level of plumbing done, nothing. And I'm sitting there looking at it. And it's been weeks. It's been months. And I'm losing, I'm losing faith. Hope deferred makes a heart real sick. And I'll never forget, I didn't know anything about Zechariah chapter 4. I, I'm sure I'd read it, but I, I didn't have this sermon. And I drove up to the job site by myself. It was, a, it was a, I think, a Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon in February. It was raining outside, mixed with snow. And I'm sitting there looking at the steel beam, and I'm, I'm commiserating. I'm questioning, did I miss God? The town is talking. I'm sure my congregation is talking. I don't know if we got the right leader. I don't know if we really, he really heard from anybody relate with what I'm saying. And I sat there a couple hours. And then he came. He got in my car. I didn't tell this part of the story, but I knew his presence was there, but I didn't want to look at him. And it's like the Lord said, I'm right over here. I know you are. How many follow what I'm saying? Not disrespect, just I was discouraged. Said, I want to talk to you. Well, I'm not really happy with you right now. 
You see the building out there? You see the mess I'm in? People all around are talking. People in the church are leaving because they think I, I'm just doing my own thing and I was building my own ego and I'm starting to cry a little bit. And the Lord says, I got an answer for you. It's going to be built. And then he said this, shout grace to it. Remember, I don't know, I don't have this sermon. I, I literally said, when you have a close relationship, you can, you can talk real with Jesus. And it's like he, he was there. I didn't see him physically. But I literally turned and said, what do you mean talk, shout grace to it? What good is that going to do? I need money. I need workers. I need some help. Shout grace to it. And I wrestled for a few moments. And again, I felt that inner, inner thing in my spirit. This is me, son. Shout grace to it. And I realized I had to confront. I mean, I, I literally told the Lord, Lord, this is a small town. We're right off the freeway, right off the highway, not a freeway, right off Highway 49. I said, I said, what, what if people see me or hear me? They're going to think I'm crazy. I love the Lord. They already do. You've already settled that question for this people. <laughs> Nothing you're going to do is going to change that. Shout grace to it. So I'm in the car and I'm saying, okay, grace. No, no. Outside in the building. I said, Lord, it's raining. I know. Outside in the building. I had to come to confront a self-consciousness that I think all of us wrestle with two things, self-conscious of what people might think and a subtle pride that what will I look like? Some crazy man, grace, grace. <laughs> but dear one, don't let your pride steal your breakthrough. And don't let your subtle self-consciousness keep you from a moment of divine destiny. So I got out of the car. And candidly, I got to tell you, first thing I did was kind of look around. Okay, nobody's here. And I kind of, honestly, I, Grace. 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 And I heard the Lord say, uh-uh. I didn't say speak it. Shout it. Shout it. What I didn't know, he was, he was getting ready to join my shout, but he can't shout unless I begin the step of faith. So I did. I laid aside all my self-consciousness. I told pride where it needs to go. Grace! Grace! I did it a couple times. Grace! And something happened inside me. I realized I wasn't just making noise. I realized I wasn't going through some, some crazy form. I realized I was joining with a directive that seemed out of the box, but God said, do it, so I did. Grace! Grace! And, and the more I shouted, the more confident and bolder and louder. Grace! I started going, Grace! Running through 53,000. Grace! 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 If anybody would have saw me, they would have thought, Grace! 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 
We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 